Jamie, it's Podcast 47. I'm bringing space back. These other podcasts don't know how to act. We're back. After a month. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. It's been a long month. Um, I... I can almost hear people crying in, is it joy or pain that we're back? <laughs> Do you know what? I've actually really missed the podcast myself. I've missed the podcast. Actually, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure about this monthly thing. Does it feel like you've got a hole in your heart? I've now? got FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. I like got... it. So how have you been, old chap? I've been very well, thank you very much. Although I've got a chesty cough, bit of a chesty cough. What's, what's the cure? If I was a cosmonaut, I'd be called chesty cough. <laughs> uh, thanks. I yeah, like thanks. that. So, Matt, I'll tell you one thing we should definitely start with. Go on, then hit me. The SpaceX spacesuit. Oh, do you know what? I, I I agree. Now, I know that we talk a bit about mm-hmm. Elon. Drink. Drink. But this is... Is it not the coolest thing ever? Because this isn't a film or Daft Punk. We'll come yeah, on to that later. Say, my- <laughs> this is real life. It, it, it is real life. Elon Musk... In, in, the ridiculous thing is, he put it on Instagram, and and it really does look like Elon Musk in the spacesuit, right? But apparently not. But there it is, a picture of him in a spacesuit. Let's say it's him, and uh, he's saying it's not a muck up. It actually works. It's been tested to double vacuum pressure, whatever that means. Well, yeah, be- between zero point two and zero point three five atmospheres. Ah, uh, you know this, Matt. <laughs> I've told you this before. No, I think that's that. That's the um, that's what American and Russian spacesuits operate. That's the pressure that they operate at. Just so people don't get confused, why this looks so cool? It, it isn't the type of spacesuit that you can go out on a spacewalk on. It's it's one. No. it's only used for flying up in the Dragon capsule. It's just for it's just for when you're hanging in the Dragon. Exactly. If you are flying in the Boeing Starliner, you've got to go in the uh, you've got to go in the Boeing suits, the blue ones. Yeah. And if you're going in the Soyuz, you've got to go in the Russian um, suits. There's no choice. You've just got to you just got to wear what you uh, what you get given for the particular space. Got to wear what you get given. But I tell you what, everyone's going to want to get this one. <laughs> it looks so smart. And Matt, let's talk about who designed well, it. Well, yeah. Well, Musk he he told his designers and engineers that he wanted the suits to be badass. Whatever that means. No. <laughs> so he... He's such a rock and roll dad. Yeah, he, exactly. I mean... Hey, guys. Hey, guys. I want this to be badass. I'm not sure what either of our accents No, were, we should but... have gone for, guys, I want you to be really badass. <laughs> That's... You know, the badass suits make it look like this. So anyway, so he got Jose Fernandez, who is famous for designing suits for uh, superhero movies for a long time now and and he actually Mm. designed my favorite ever thing which is michelle pfeiffer's catwoman suit i don't know if you remember that jamie you might be dirty old man no but i I was really young back then very impressionable (laughs) dirty young man (laughs) but michelle pfeiffer's catwoman suit was definitely genius but he also designed the helmets for daft punk amazing and of course there's definitely a daft punk helmet look it really is about about this um particular spacesuit isn't there i wonder if they're going to get jealous 
maybe they'll rock a couple of spacesuits in their next DJ set. Well, I was thinking this. I mean, surely you can actually spin off a line of clothing, like like this whole idea of having, say, mo- motorcycle jackets and helmets that look yeah. like the SpaceX spacesuits. It's like... That would be cool. I mean, that would... It would make me get a bike. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I actually was thinking that this morning. I would actually buy a motorbike so I could wear the SpaceX leathers. Are we not selling interplanetary podcast motorbikes already? Or is that yet to come? I think uh, we're still working on that. Well, stick me down for one, I tell you what. So hopefully these will be ready for their... Um for their inaugural uh, launch when they're taking people up to the International Space Station in early 2019. And by then, Matt, you know that maybe white and black is going to be out of season. Yeah, that's true. And they'll have to go with, you know, taupe or tan or whatever's in in look that autumn. (laughs) Well, the the, the one thing that people were saying is that it looked a bit more professional and and less... Really? Yeah, so it it was just looked a bit more like you were the sort of... um, man about town or man about space a businessman <laughs> a businessman on my way to the iss to do a bit of business yeah. uh you know it didn't have the saggy butts but of course i reckon it will have a saggy butt because they've still got to wear nappies for the launch yeah they? that's true unless they've done something amazing because this suit you only see from the waist up so you don't really see what the heck's going on the saggy butt's quite fashionable isn't it in in sort uh, yeah, of, I suppose um, so. teen, teenage jean wear if you wore your space suit like a roadman as my kids call them. <laughs> you can, Let's yeah, hope yeah. there's no cracks in space, though, yeah. because that sounds dangerous. Yeah. So, um, Matt, I'm really excited about the astronaut of the month. I mean, for many reasons, he's he's a legend. Many, many reasons. And we've both read his book when it came out. It's yeah. by coincidence. Two, there's two reasons. One is because tomorrow, as you know, Jamie, I'm going to be interviewing Jackie Bell or Dr. Yes. Dr. Jackie Bell, Doctor. Who, who I've been talking to on Twitter. And then suddenly she's on a TV program about how to be an astronaut. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's a brilliant program. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But the astronaut helping the BBC to do this astronaut, it's essentially the apprentice set in space, isn't it, really? Yeah. But, uh, the um, Alan Sugar of the program is none other than our astronaut of the month, Chris Hadfield. Oh, Mr. Hadfield. And the second what reason. Absolute. Yeah, it's his birthday tomorrow, of all coincidences. So when I'm interviewing oh. Jackie, it will be uh, Chris Hadfield's birthday. 57 years young. Happy birthday, sir. So let's listen to that interview and then we'll talk about Chris Hadfield afterwards. Check it out. Here's the doctor. I'm back in the British Interplanetary Society Library and I'm joined by Jackie Bell, a doctor of theoretical <laughs> particle physics. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, also a budding astronaut. Space cadet. Yeah, so very recently I took part in a six-week, well, six-series programme with the BBC uh, called Astronauts Do You Have What It Takes? Um, And this was with Chris Hadfield, uh, Dr Ia Whiteley and Dr Kevin Fong, they're presenting it. And, yeah, it's been a bit of a journey. (laughs) (laughs) So you know whose birthday it is today, don't you? Yeah, Chris's. So, yeah, I I, uh, put a picture on Instagram of me and Chris together, the one sneaky picture that I got, (laughs) and I tagged him in. I thought, oh, maybe he'll comment, but... I'm guessing he's been too busy. Too busy eating cake. Has, <laughs> yeah, has, he, got, has, he, has he gone back home or is he still...? Um, I'm not sure where he is at the minute because I know he was working on another show. He's uh, oh, loitering about somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we, we, we talked about him on the, on the show. We did a little profile of, of 
of Chris Hadfield, and oh, it's just nice. like what he's, he's, he's flown, amazing. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Absolutely amazing. Seventy different aircraft he's flown. Oh my words! <laughs> God, I wish I could just fly one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, do you actually want to be an astronaut? Is that actually one of yeah. your burning ambitions? Yeah. No, I really do. Um, I think I just. I mean, who doesn't like space? I've always liked space since I was a kid. Uh, I really wanted to be an astronaut, which my mum and dad were quite confused at. Um, they're not uh, academics, my parents or anyone really in my family. Uh, so for me to be really interested in science and want books for Christmas instead of toys and games, <laughs> it was a bit strange. Um, but yeah, I've just I've always wanted to be an astronaut. I think I, I said it in school that I wanted to be one and everyone just laughed and was like, who from the UK becomes an astronaut? Like, don't be silly, get a real job. <laughs> uh, which was a bit harsh to tell the kids, but uh, I guess it made me work hard um, and go down different avenues. But ultimately, it's always been at the back of my mind to be an mm. astronaut. Yeah, do you know, I was thinking about this on the, on, on the train, because in my mind, I was going to be an astronaut after being a pop star first. That was, <laughs> yeah, that of was, course. That was my... <laughs> so I was going to do that, then astronaut. <laughs> But I was thinking, it's br what a brilliant aim it is to be an astronaut because it, yeah. it's like you can't fail because you have to be amazing. Therefore, yeah. So you've got a decent backup yeah. plan anyway because you're going to be <laughs> like really academic yeah. Yeah. or you know in the RAF or have some sort of amazing career already. Yeah, I mean, that's you, the plan. You're likely to have yeah, a, yeah, a master's degree at yeah. least and, a, and physically fit. So yeah, it's almost like. Everyone should train to be an astronaut, sure. Yeah, that's like a life goal. <laughs> do that, you can't fail. Do you, do you actually think this? Do you think this program actually goes some way to, to realizing that dream? Yeah, do you think it for actually sure. will? Yeah, f yeah, for sure. So, um, just taking part in some of the tests, they are like actual tests that astronauts mm. will do. Um, so, in episode one, for example, the the numbers from that terrifying German voice that was shouting out random numbers <laughs> and we had to repeat them in order backwards. Um, that was like an actual test that Kevin Fong did when he applied. Um, so that's kind of cool, but it puts a bit more pressure on you on the programme when you think, oh, oh my word, this is what an actual astronaut is going to do. Like, oh, like you just get quite nervous. Did Kevin Fong have to do the step at the same time? I don't think he did, no. I think he was just having a casual sit down. <laughs> <laughs> but he did think. say he, uh, his was like up to 20 numbers at a time and you didn't know how when it was going to stop. What? So at least with ours, it kind of went up in progression. And so five, six, seven numbers. Yeah, but um, I mean, 20 numbers, you'd, you'd surely have to do preparation for weeks before yeah, you could get up to that standard, surely. Definitely. So since, since filming that episode, uh, a couple of us have been looking into ways that we can prepare if we were to yeah. apply at ESA. So we've been trying to find this famous German person and their video tape, their, their tape of, uh, of the numbers that we can practice with. But I guess you must have to, I guess it's just like training your memory. You must have yeah, to put a little I, bit of work into it. I, there's, a, there's a book out uh, called um, Peak and uh, a scientist took, a, took one of his students just at random and said, right, I'm going to teach you how to get the world record at remembering numbers. And, and wow. he did. He got that. He got. He got up to the world record quite easily. Like, wow! <laughs> oh, like, I wish he would have taught me. <laughs> two hundred, like two hundred numbers. But apparently, it was just that he had to come up with his own mental um, pictures and yeah, you know, all so about mental framework. Yeah. So the way I did it was remember the numbers. So if it was like two five six, I'd go two five six two five six two five six two 
five, two, and then kind of taking my time going back. I think the right way round, I can remember 15 numbers, Whoa. 15, 16 numbers. Well, that's, that's really impressive. Uh, but backwards is a little bit more, <laughs> well, a bit more work. I'd yeah, never trained for that before. No, see, backwards, yeah, that was... Well, actually, that's a, that's a point. So how long before you went off to do this show did you know that you were doing the show and how long did you have to prepare for it? Um, so we applied back in December um, and then it was a few months of... Uh, yeah, two two months of like different interviews, medical assessments, fitness tests, all of those things. And at each stage, I was like, this is amazing, but it's going to end here for me. Like, <laughs> I'm so lucky to get this far. This is amazing. And so I'd go off to the BBC. And just that for me was like a great day out because I was like, yeah. oh, wow, you can see the news <laughs> being filmed. Uh, and I was really excited and was like, well, you know, worst case scenario, I went to the BBC for a day, had a free lunch. It was a nice little day out. And so even though I was kind of, I'd only just moved to London as well. So uh, I, I didn't have enough money to join the gym or anything like that. So my fitness wasn't great either. So I would go for a run uh, at midnight every day. I know it was crazy. Uh, I'd go for a run every day. And that was like the most I was trying to do. And uh, I was working at the Science Museum at the time. So I'd run up and down the stairs as fast as I could from the <laughs> from the from the, the, co the coffee yeah. room to wherever I was going to be next based. I'd like run up three flights of stairs <laughs> and time myself. And that was kind of my training. Oh, yeah. Stair, um, stair running. That's a killer. <laughs> so so that's kind of what I, all I was doing. Because in the back of my mind, I thought, I'm not going to get it. I don't want to put loads into it and be really disappointed when I you know I don't get through uh, and then we all got the phone call two and a half three weeks before and so that was when I started to panic a little bit and push myself a little bit more on the runs and <laughs> <laughs> so the, the two or three weeks before you didn't think that you maybe start putting your head underwater oh no <laughs> oh you know I was so naive with the swimming because I just didn't even think about how astronauts train for EVAs and I like I knew at the back of my mind yeah I'm gonna have to be able to swim but then I was thinking but diving is very different to swimming I'm in a suit it'll be fine I don't have to worry about breathing underwater it's all sorted for me I just need to float and so I was, <laughs> I was very naive about that uh, and yeah so I was frantically trying to teach myself to swim and in that maybe two weeks before the program I mastered my doggy paddle that was about it <laughs> and I definitely didn't put my head under the water so that was a bit of a shock in episode two <laughs> but yeah I mean that that I have to say that was incredible the fact that you were obviously terrified in the first dip but actually you really controlled your fear for the second yeah time round. so what what you didn't see uh we all had heart rate monitors on and so I was really trying to be composed to try and look composed, but my heart was just giving it away. Like, there was no hiding how terrified I was. Uh, and I, I got asked before it, like, um, how do you think this is going to go? Because, you know, obviously the BBC, they knew about the fact that I couldn't really swim. I wasn't a strong swimmer at all. And I had no idea. And I said, like, I genuinely can't even risk assess this situation because I've never put my head under the water before. The one time I did, I almost drowned. And so I was like, never again. 
you know, swimming lessons at school, I would always hand in a note and say, not for me, thanks, I'll do extra maths lessons, which is why I'm so good at maths. But, you know, <laughs> it didn't really work out for me now because I'm not such a good swimmer. Every every cloud has a silver lining. That's almost <laughs> yeah. like the that's the that's almost how all, all adversity should be, isn't it? You got the maths lessons out of it. Yeah, you sacrifice one thing, you gain another. So when your school that you went to, is that just like a normal school in Liverpool somewhere? Yeah, so yeah, I'm obviously not from London. Uh, grew up in Liverpool. Lived in Liverpool for 28 years. I only recently moved away from home. Um, yeah, just a normal, normal school. <laughs> normal school, and then didn't enforce swimming lessons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, neither <did> my school. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone off the curriculum. But so, and then you went to university. And to, yeah. do, to do more maths? Yeah, so uh, again, at school, I think by now the astronaut dream had kind of faded. I, I, I'm quite a realist and I realised it's going to be virtually impossible for me to become an astronaut. There was only Helen Sharman, who I didn't know of at the time when I was a child, when I wanted to be an astronaut. People told me there's no astronauts from the UK. They're all yeah. American. They're all working at NASA. Um, and so I kind of was like oh yeah fair enough and it just stayed like at the, I just pushed it to the back of my mind really and I thought well what can I be I still want to inspire people and I want to help other people live their dreams uh, so I wanted to be a teacher and I was very good at naturally good at maths plus I'd had extra lessons <laughs> so uh, I went to university to study maths University of Liverpool. And then what did you do? And then I stayed on. Um, I kind of wanted to get back into science. I was getting really keen on my BBC Science programmes, BBC Horizon. Yeah. Brian Cox was doing really well. <laughs> <laughs> he was on TV everywhere and I wanted yeah. to be the next Brian Cox. Uh, so I wanted to get back into physics. So I stayed on at Liverpool, did a Master's in Mathematical Sciences, uh, where I did my summer dissertation on quantum chromodynamics right. and then I stayed on and naturally and did the PhD in quantum chromodynamics um, which is theoretical particle physics and then yeah I finished graduated last year. And you did all of this in Liverpool? What? Yeah yeah I stayed in Liverpool um, so the reason I kind I kind of fell into the PhD actually. Um, I applied like for you do. I applied yeah like you do. <laughs> I applied for a lot of jobs, um, a lot of graduate schemes, and it's very tough. Uh, and so I wasn't really getting anywhere with that, um, which is really ironic. The fact that Chris Hadfield saw potential in my CV, <laughs> but none of these recruiters <laughs> did. I'm just thinking, what am I doing wrong? Um, so that was a nice little confidence boost. Maybe um, the recruiters never had to hand in a CV for recruitment. This is, <laughs> yeah, this, this is the problem. <laughs> maybe. Uh, so I kind of just fell into it and then I enjoyed the research. But while I was there, I did a lot of public engagement and worked with some schools and um, communities not engaged in science, uh, which is what I was really passionate about. Yeah, I, I saw that in your in your resume about the, 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 that you were involved with the, uh, people from deprived areas yeah. and getting them involved in science. Well, can you tell us a little bit more, more about that? Because that is yeah, really noteworthy. Really, really passionate about that. Um, so obviously where I grew up, not many people get into science. It's not really a cool thing to do. I think science was seen as like, you know, a rich white man's subject hmm. type of thing. Uh, and so I was a youth worker for 10, 11 years 
uh, since I was 16. Um, and I wanted to like integrate the youth work with the science and put on a little bit of a, a project getting communities involved. So I ran that for around six months in 2015, 16, um, where, yeah, we did loads of science clubs with families. And I even had um, an elderly knitting group that I went to meet every week. <laughs> and we made a particle physics a blanket with all different Feynman diagrams oh, on no it. It was really cool. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you can do science anywhere. <laughs> that was the message. Oh, wow. I'm, I, yeah, I might have to get my missus to, to knit me a, a, a Feynman blanket. <laughs> it That's was how, really cool. I still actually, have it now. I think that might be the coolest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it was really cool. And they were really up for it as well. They were like, yeah, teach us about particle physics. Like <gasps> a bunch of, oh, wow. bunch of little old ladies <laughs> just knitting away. It was great. It's a great little project. Yeah, that, that sounds brilliant. So do, are you still involved with with any of those projects? Are you... uh, sadly, no, not back in Liverpool. Um, so I had to finish because I needed to write up my thesis, which anyone who's done a PhD will know is the best time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I was really under a lot of time constraints to mm. get that finished, otherwise I wouldn't have graduated. So I had to put the public engagement on hold. I was still doing youth work. So how old were you when you got your PhD, by the way? Um, it was last year, 27, 26, 27. Well, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, when I used to yeah. go to conferences in Germany, they thought I was quite young. But I guess they do, like, a two-year master's. They stay on uni a bit longer. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if it's that young. A lot of the uh, yeah. other candidates in the show, they'd all finished their yeah, PhD at a similar age. Yes, but they're astronauts. <laughs> they're, they're all astronaut <clears throat> candidates so that's that's the okay, thing yeah. i think you're forgetting it's like yeah well, it's it's the totally, apparently it's totally normal <laughs> to have a phd when you're 27 <laughs> no it's not it's, oh, it's I, I mean i worked i worked really hard and i was a little bit lost at the time I, you know i did want to be a teacher and then i got into informal education and i really enjoyed that a lot more working with young people who kind of you know slipped under the radar and missed out maybe you know they haven't got supportive backgrounds and they were being bullied or the you know hmm. they, they've been socially excluded in some way and so i really enjoyed working with them a lot more which kind of put me off mainstream school yeah uh so i didn't follow that dream of teaching although I did do a stint at a school in Bootle for three months uh, again teaching um, young people who were struggling with maths and science yeah. uh, which I really loved but yeah. you know what yeah it's 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 really odd the, the amount of people that come up to me and say oh I'm rubbish at maths and, and you go oh no you're not rubbish at maths you you just you yeah. just the moment someone says maths you can just see their little black no it's true come down, it's true it? it's, yeah it's, so um in my current position at the British Science Association uh one of my roles is to kind of get more communities involved in science and a lot of the time it is you just say the word science or maths and they're like nope not for me yeah. but if you hide it and you say okay well you know you've got a football match on these have got this many yeah. points where do they end up in the league then kids will engage straight away without realizing that they're doing maths and so that i'm kind of sneaky <laughs> with the maths and science i just you, sneak it in where i can yeah i mean i'm always amazed when like when you play fantasy football or something like that yeah. and everyone seems to be really good at it i'm thinking oh, hang on a second <laughs> you said you were rubbish at maths it's clearly you can't possibly be yeah. you completely understand statistics and exactly you understand, yeah, yeah it's people like, understand more than they realize and i always say if, if you think you're bad at maths like it's not you it's your teacher yeah. so you you just haven't been taught properly yeah 
And I am a big believer in that, in the, the no talent. It's just, look, you just yeah, no, completely. Get, get, just get down to this and, and, and build up your confidence. Yeah. yeah, I say this to everyone. Like, they always say to me, oh, you're so lucky, you're really talented, you're just gifted. And I say, you just work hard. If you want something, work really hard to get it. I've worked really hard. And I think a lot of people just assume that I'm naturally talented and that, you know, I've got it easy when yeah. they don't see behind the scenes me staying up late and working, you know, working my ass off, really, because yeah. <laughs> I want it so bad and I want to be good at things and learn things. And I'm really, you know, I just i have always been an inquisitive kid and always wanted to know more. And the way you, you learn more is mm. by well, learning and reading. And It's, it's almost like a, a spiral, isn't it? Because the fact that you love learning means that you learn and because yeah, you learn you exactly. love learning even more and, yeah. and, and it is that it's, it's <clears throat> your, your, real, your real talent I suppose is the fact that you love learning yeah true. rather than having a talent for math or having a talent for... I think it, it is all about that um how much you want it really and that self-discipline mm. I think it's really easy to just go home after work and switch off and watch the soaps and yeah. you know just chill out but if you actually go home and and say, okay, well, I'm going to study this language, or I'm going to study this, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to better myself in this way, then there's no reason why everyone can't be, you know, an Olympic athlete yeah. or, you know, speak yeah, seven yeah. languages. There's no reason why. I, I, that's what I believe anyway. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally with you. And I, it's actually really <laughs> refreshing because you can see, for someone like yourself, it'd be quite easy to think to, think to yourself, well, maybe I am talented. And in some way, that's like a sort of flattering thing that you're special, but it's quite good... To, but also the real thing that you're proud of is the fact that you've worked hard for it. Yeah. And I think that that's really, you know, that, that's what makes you, maybe that's what makes you kind of astronaut class style, style <laughs> maybe, person. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think that you've learned most about yourself in that process of, of the competition? Of astronaut training. I think the best thing about taking part in the programme was seeing where my flaws are. Because it's so easy, like we were saying before, it's so easy for people to say, oh, you're so great at this, you're so great, you know everything, it's amazing. And then actually you miss the, you miss your own flaws. So for those to be picked up and for EO and Kevin and Chris to say, you know, this is where you could improve, that's great for me. I, I really like that mm. because it gives me something to work on, it gives me something to do. Um and so I think that's probably what I've learned. I've also learned not to be so harsh on myself. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been bad at this. <clears throat> I've always been bad at like really putting a lot of pressure on myself. Um, but I know that to be an astronaut, you need to be mentally stable and not yeah. get too emotionally involved in things. And so that's something that I'm definitely working on at the minute. Yeah. So, but that. But that... That's almost a really great thing to hear, isn't it? That whole that whole ability to self-evaluate and then say, well, these are the things that aren't so great and that's what I'm going to work on. Yeah, and I, honestly, like I, I find that the most interesting thing as well because if you're a high achiever, you 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 could get into that mindset of well I'm just good at everything doesn't you know I don't need to try which I've never been like but pe you know people can do that and so for someone to say to me actually Jackie this is what you're not good at this is where your flaws are sometimes it might not be what you want to hear but then it gives you something to improve on yeah well I mean you know a great tennis player is not going to get good if his coach never points out that exactly yeah. that his backhand is lousy. Did, with the with the other contestants, were, were, are, do you all feel like rivals, or are you 
Or are you too soft with one another? I think I know the answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we hadn't met until the first day of filming. So they'd kept us separate through all of the tests pre-filming. Um, they didn't want us to know who the other people were who were going for it. Um, and so I really didn't know what to expect because I was just like, well, I know to be an astronaut, you need to be a pilot. Most of them have, you know, been in, in the Air Force. And so I was like, well, I don't have that. You know, it's 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 a bit secretive now, but I can't swim still and I haven't really told the whole crew. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> like, I know you need them things. And so when we met, we met on camera for the first time in the hangar and we were all chatting about what people do. And, you know, there's a surgeon, there's a dentist who's also climbed Everest twice. She's in her <laughs> 50s. Hannah, she's absolutely amazing. Uh, you've got two pilots on the team. We've got another quantum physicist who kind of, you know, trumps me a little bit because she's a real physicist. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm just kind of standing there thinking, these people are amazing uh, what have I got to contribute here? Like, I will go after day one for sure. Like, this is the most amazingly talented group of people I've ever been with. Um, and what was really nice, and I think this is why we were all chosen, is everyone was so supportive and everyone wanted to share the knowledge. It wasn't like if anyone had the upper hand, they would keep it to themselves. Everyone wanted to help everyone and we all knew it was going to be a process where people were going to get voted off or leave in some way and yet we still wanted to help and we'd still kind of sacrifice our own position on whatever you know Chris and Ia and Kevin's league table was because we never got feedback so we never knew how well we'd done on any of the tests uh, until we're watching it now back on TV Honestly, oh, right. yeah, wow. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> so we never got any feedback, so we didn't know who was better than who, who you know, how we were on this this table unless, in the ranking. Un unless you get called into the corridor. Well, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, unless you get called into the corridor, uh, <laughs> which is traumatic. <laughs> um, yeah, because it was quite a close call between you and Hannah, wasn't it? The uh... Definitely, after the dunker. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I felt quite guilty about that because um, Hannah has a genuine fear of enclosed spaces mm. from the uh, avalanche that she was trapped in, um, which must have been terrifying. And so I, I knew it was between me and Hannah. We didn't know if we were both just going to get a telling off or if we were going to both go or what was going to happen. Did you discuss, Were you able to discuss it before going? Not really. It was just little... on the walk there. We were like oh what's gonna happen and she's oh. hugging me she's like you've got this don't you worry she's honestly she she was like our mum she was so supportive <laughs> and she's such a strong lady as well all the things she's been through she's an inspiration and mm. I, I said to her uh when she left the the program um I was like if I grow up and uh, you know I'm just a fraction of what you are I'd be really proud no. Yeah, did, she, did she start crying? Because <laughs> uh, I would have done. Unfortunately, it was just me. He seemed to be crying on the uh, oh, oh, on the show. <laughs> oh, no, no, Hannah did quite a bit of crying. As, as it yeah. was pouring out, pouring out. <clears throat> poor thing. But she, I mean, she she must have been a bit worried because she must have seen like the inside side of a Soyuz, for example, and seen that that's quite enclosed, yeah. spacey. Yeah. Kind of so the vibe. yeah the claustrophobia thing. I think though, again, um, a bit like myself, she would push herself anyway she put herself in that situation and 
just hope that she could do it and cope. And I guess this is probably one of the few times or one of the first times that she's put herself back in that situation yeah. of enclosed spaces and so she wasn't really sure and with the pressure of the cameras yeah. and being assessed at the same time but, I mean she did ex- extraordinary well in the in the pods didn't she, she yeah to that, keep her heart rate down and I think and, you could definitely see that Chris Hadfield was pretty impressed by that yeah the, the fact that she so was able to with the pods as well I feel like this needs clearing off because <laughs> I've had so many people say to me why oh, did you get out I, too early yeah exactly yeah, I, 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 why, why did you get out like oh you you I didn't know you had claustrophobia no I okay the swimming thing is an issue but the claustrophobia I could have sat in that pod all day that's not an issue um so while we were inside we all got given instructions of what to do so we didn't know we were going to be in there for 20 minutes we didn't know what we were going to do um before we got into the pod we got told to take our boots off and take our laces out of the boots um so we're standing there boots in one hand laces in the other thinking okay there's like a plastic egg-shaped pod and we've got no boots on we've got laces they were kind of all equal distance from each other it's going to be a team thing Mm. we're going to have to do something as a team so we get into the pods then we get a little instructions poked through uh which says we were told they were all different, so we got we got told everyone had different instructions again. Whoa. So it's all to kind of mess with your mind. Yeah. Um, so we get these instructions. This is a few seconds before the lights go off, and it says stay in your pod for twenty minutes. Do your boots, do your laces, um, and it says everyone has a different piece of paper. So automatically, I thought we've all got the same. Hmm. We have to because how would they, how would they moderate this test? Yeah. You know. So I was like, okay, we've all got 20 minutes. What I'll do is I'll count best I can because I'm quite good at keeping time. Um, and then when I think I'm at 20 minutes, I'll start hearing other people getting out. Once I hear two people get out, I'll get out because then I'll be middle of the pack. Mm. So I won't fail and I won't win. Whoa, so going. this was my, I was thinking, okay, you know, obviously if I get there too early, if no one's out, I won't get out. So you're probably thinking, but you you got out first, so what <laughs> happened? <laughs> so I'll tell you what happened. So as well as it being pitch black, you're doing your boots, you you can't, you know, you've got kind of no sense of time except for the, the seconds that you're counting. Um, and you're, you're trying to keep your heart rate down as well because we've got these heart rate monitors on mm. all the time. Uh, so there's a lot of noise outside the pod, which sounds like people getting out. So I heard this three times. And so obviously that goes against yeah. the rule. It was here, two people, get out. I heard it three times and I was like, I'm only on 18 minutes. I'm sure I'm only on 18 minutes. Oh, so you actually knew you were on 18 I minutes. I knew. Oh. So that's what was so frustrating because I didn't know until I watched episode one because we didn't get told. So I watched it and I was like, no way. No way was I on 18 minutes. No way. Um, and so I came out and that's why I kind of look around sneakily thinking, oh no no one's out so obviously they were doing something to make noise or someone was making yeah. noise uh, which kind of messed with me and thought i thought i'm on 18 minutes but three people have got out if i don't get out now and i get last i might go home so i came out and it was just oh, oh it was so frustrating so how did but, you how did you learn to keep time because in fact because I've, I've read that <laughs> in fact, it, that's in richard Feynman's biography isn't it that he, yeah. learns, he learns to count time doesn't so, he so I Please used to do this. I just used to do this as like 
a game, I don't know, probably like playing hide and seek and I would try and do exact seconds. Uh, but what I give, <laughs> what I give the most credit to is all the awful jobs I've had in the past <laughs> where I've literally counted down the minutes till I go home and I'm like, right, okay, five more minutes and I can go, five more minutes I can go. And so that, I just... But that normally makes it worse. You must, I know, you must be but I mind. just don't know. I think because I made it into a game and I thought, how exactly can I get? Oh, okay. And so yeah. I would always, like, every day, I'd be like, right, let's see how close I can get to exactly five minutes. Oh, so, so in actual fact, you're epic at that time. <laughs> So <laughs> and I you was, just didn't, didn't yeah uh, I didn't have faith in my again that's another that's another uh. thing that I've learned that I in you know self-reflection is I've got a bit more self-worth and a bit more faith in my myself because I'm the type of person where um I would be saying something like yeah pigs definitely can't fly and then two people will go no they can't I've seen them and then someone else will go yeah definitely and I'll go oh maybe they can <laughs> maybe maybe I'm wrong yeah and so I'm that type of person um uh, where I can be quite even though I know deep down I'm right I'm scared to be wrong mm. so I'm kind mm. of like oh okay then and I try and think well maybe I must be, I must be wrong and so I don't have much confidence in, in myself that I always think they're definitely right I must be wrong and so that's something that I've tried not to do as much because I definitely did that throughout the program yeah. again with people me thinking people are getting out the pod and me thinking I must be wrong my accountant must be wrong even though I, I knew I was doing it right I thought maybe <laughs> I lost count when I was doing the laces maybe I did this and so that was quite frustrating to find out when everyone else saw it live on TV and then get lots of messages saying Oh, man, that, that, yeah, that, that's really quite annoying, isn't it? But uh, yeah, I guess it's one of them but things. I, but then you, but I have to say, I think you were a little bit lucky with the, um, the rover task. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so this rover task, I absolutely loved doing this because Tim Peake actually did this mm. where he controlled it from space and it was awesome. Uh, except he had like 90 minutes to do it so we had 20 <laughs> we had more targets <laughs> um, so we had to kind of work out before we went in there we got uh, like literally two minutes or something to uh, work out what we were going to do and we were told roughly where the targets were going to be on this little map um, and so I with being a mathematician, worked out exactly how much time I needed to exactly, which I should have been a bit more lenient and said, okay, let's divide 18 minutes up yeah. rather than the full 20. So you you genuinely had got it down, literally down to the, yeah. those, those few seconds. And it seconds. wasn't until oh. I was almost at the line, I thought, Jackie, you, your calculations better be right. They better be right this time because this is, this is close. Um, so I had two strategies. Uh, first one, drive in, reverse out, um, which James did. Yeah, which was the epic Which was one, fantastic. Yeah. That was my first strategy. So I drove in. Uh, I could see the targets. I thought, this is perfect. Um, <laughs> put it in reverse. Nothing. Nothing happens. I was like, okay, give it a, give it a second or so. 30 seconds, I'm thinking... It's not gonna. It's not gonna happen. I need to change strategy. And before that test, uh, while we were sitting at the computer about to start, Chris had said to us, 
to simulate what would happen on Mars. Sometimes things might not be communicated. You might get a delay. There'll be a bit of a lag. Uh, and so as soon as I knew after so many seconds, it wouldn't go into reverse. I kept stopping, reversing, leaving it for a few seconds lag. Nothing was happening. I was like, okay, change strategy because this is a test. Wow, that's so, really because they didn't they didn't put any of that into the program, which seems no. which seems ridiculous. Yeah, so there's, that's what I mean. There's a, there's a lot of things um, that they didn't put in, which is really informative. Actually, it's yeah. really cool. They gave us you know the whole background of Tim doing that experiment and um, how you know that the rover Bridget is going to be similar to you know the the 2020 ExoMars mission. Mm. Um, and so that was really cool, and that, that would be cool to put on the episode. But then I guess it would have to be two, three hours long yeah, yeah, yeah. if they put everything in. But, it, but it's but it seems pretty. I'm amazed that they didn't sort of say that you were going to reverse out and and that the yeah, reason why. Yeah, I you think hadn't... I think maybe I'd kind of. I definitely. So they were watching us the whole time. So they will have definitely seen me try to put it in reverse and then sit back and wait, and then be like, okay. And I'm pretty sure I vocally was like okay plan b and then did it um but yeah i guess again it's just it's only an hour long so they, yeah so they but, cut yeah. but that's, pretty, that's really impressive that so at, at that point you realized that you had to do that you did a u-turn yeah you? but i mean it was a great <laughs> it's a great trajectory and i had people from uh airbus say to me after they're like oh you're the girl who did that perfect turn i was like thanks even though it was like touch and go but that 30 seconds that i wasted on the reverse i was like okay because I, I knew mathematically I needed 12 minutes to turn around. I needed to turn around by 12 minutes to get out. And so when I tried reversing at 11 minutes, I was like, this is not going to happen. I kind of waited as long as I could. Mm. And then it was getting to 12 minutes. I thought I needed to turn around and get out. I needed to turn around. And yeah, it was it was like five, four, three to cross the line, I was like, oh. Do you know what? I, I, I've been, I have been thinking all the time that that people like Chris would have come in and sort of talked to you about it and given you all the feedback, but I can't believe they don't give you any no, feedback. No, uh, so that was the only test that we did where I knew I'd done okay. That was the only one, and I thought, smashed I, I, it. Yeah, I smashed <laughs> this, yeah. <laughs> you did, you did. I mean, you did absolutely smash that. Now, t- now tell me, Aya... I, is it Whiteley? Yeah, Ear Whiteley, yeah. Ear Whiteley, sorry, yeah. Ear Whiteley. I, I find her a little bit terrifying. Yeah. She, she's like a... She genuinely looks impossible. She looks like she's out of a, <laughs> a, out of a Bond movie. <laughs> and she's... Yeah, she's yeah. going to be the sort of one that interrogates Bond. She... And, and no, there's no messing. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Honestly, she has such a powerful presence. Uh, I'm in complete admiration for uh, Ear She's not only like an amazing academic, she's kind of uh, got like a similar background to most of us candidates where, you know, her family wasn't very academic and she she kind of went against the grain and um, she's done amazingly well. But, you know, as a psychologist, (laughs) (laughs) she is very terrifying because um, when you're talking to someone and they're just looking back at you sternly yeah. with a bit of a smile going on and they're analysing everything I you're saying that, that or mi- doing. that micro-movements thing is, is oh. actually really... is The micro-expressions is scaring me. I mean, what 
Because they never went into it, didn't she? She never goes into yeah, what that no, is. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that... that and presumably now like I know that you don't secret. know. Yeah, no, I don't know. I still don't know what, what she was looking for. I mean, I guess, you know, on a, she must obviously be able to tell honesty and people who were genuine. And uh, we got asked things like, um, would you go on a one-way trip to Mars? Uh, you know, what about your family? Or would you go on a one-way trip to Mars? So I said, yeah, like, definitely I, I would be honoured to, to be chosen to go to Mars, uh, which I immediately thought, was that the right thing to say? I have no idea. It's obviously like... not about the answers, was it? I, I, that, <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing, like, I think, because we got asked as well, like, what we would do if we had, like, a million pounds. And I, I've always, I've always said if I had a lot of money, I would build a community centre and it would have a respite for kids to stay if they have any trouble. And I've always been very community minded. And obviously I've always, you know, everyone always mm. thinks, what would I do with a million pounds? We all have that answer ready. Sweet. I'd spend it on sweets, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so I just automatically answered very quickly. And then again, I was thinking, is that too fast? And then, well, while you're thinking this, she's is, still watching you. She, so you're micro like, oh, expression. She, yeah. So she's gone, yes, yeah, she means that. Oh, now she's thinking this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's why she terrifies me. She exactly, yeah. I, I actually got a feeling I might actually wake up in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was really, because even, uh, even off camera, the very brief moments that we got to chat with the presenters, you would be very conscious still of what you were saying because you would think, am I still under test conditions? Is this still a test? When When is it not a test? Did you find out, did you only find out that, that when you brought your family in, I that found was a out test? On yes. TV on Sunday, yeah. Yeah, so wow. So I was like, oh no, what did I do? What did <laughs> I say? Because the cameras are there, so you very much... Who was your guest? Uh, my mum, oh. yeah, so I brought my mum, uh, which was really funny because she was just so insistent on telling me a story about the train ticket. And I was like, <laughs> mum, this can wait, please. <laughs> I was like, this can wait, like, this is very important. There's Chris Hadfield, there's Ian Whiteley, there's Kevin Fong. And she's like, which one's which? And I'm like, oh, God, mum. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. So she, she said some classics, let's just say. Uh, <laughs> so I just had to kind of put on a smile because the cameras were there. Um, I think I got away with it. <laughs> yeah, well, your, your, your name didn't come up on that one, did it? Yeah, no, I, I know. So I was actually watching the uh, watching Sunday's show with Merritt, um, and so we didn't know what was going to happen. Oh, yeah. That... Um, and so I, it, was re it was really unfair, actually, on Merritt, because uh, she her family's in America, and, um, she you know, she said on the, on the previous episode that she'd lost her mum, and so his sister, she's very close to his sister. They're like, they're the bestest of friends. Um, and so his sister flew over from America to be on the programme for an hour. And we literally saw them for an hour and then they were carted away and we were carted away. And so I, I really do sympathise with Merit because she did just want to spend time with his sister yeah. and she was tired, but she was also feeling sad that I'm only going to see her for a little bit and then she's going to be gone. Yeah, because they even showed a clip of her and her sister looking sad. And yeah. her sister sort of going... Exactly. Like, and oh, yeah, I, I think probably... that was... It's, again, it's really good editing. Yeah. So I, I just really felt for Mary because we'd all seen family two weeks earlier or a couple of weeks earlier or whatever, yeah. but she hadn't seen her sister for months and she was only going to... It was like, here's, you know, here's the treat, now it's taken away from you. Like, she got to see her under camera conditions and then she was gone. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was a bit unfair that 
that the camera chose those moments where she was feeling a bit sad um to yeah to pick them out really because she wasn't like that at all when we were all talking <laughs> you know they were both really enthusiastic and i know uh skylar Merritt's yeah. sister uh was talking to chris about all of the jets that um he's flown because she works on them in in, no in the states so yeah so they so it was it, they had a great conversation uh but again we didn't we we kind of knew it, everything was a test um, which we'd learnt, you know, the day before when Chris had said to us, um, oh, you can come for a jog with me in the morning if you want to. It's not a test. And we all looked at each other oh, and were yeah. like, we'll it's be there 6am. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, even, if it, even if you didn't think it was a test, going jogging with Chris Yeah, Hanfield, it was right? amazing, yeah. Like, so but... there's no way I was going to pass that up no. and just, you know, have a lie-in. <laughs> yeah. As, as Jamie says, anyone who sings David Bowie in space... Oh, yeah. So, I, again, with the Mars rover, um, there, there were songs on uh, playing through the, uh, of course, yeah, I, the I ear know, defenders because yeah. <laughs> James was singing away and he must have looked a bit mad. Uh, and that was one of the songs that came on and it was just great. It just kept making me smile. Obviously, they, they didn't show those bits with me smiling. <laughs> <laughs> I realised it's only like, yeah, <laughs> intense or crying. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they had all those songs on, which was really cool as well. To have Chris standing behind you and then the songs on and then you doing a task, Tim Peake's done. It was just amazing. Yeah, that, that is it's literally it's the, the dream. dream. It is yeah. the dream ticket, isn't it? I'm, I'm actually now really jealous. <laughs> Damn, if I was only 20 years younger. So, <laughs> oh, no, actually, I could have done it, couldn't I? Because there was people older than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah, I, I was really lucky because I, I just saw the uh, advert on Twitter. Again, like all my opportunities come from Twitter. I'm just like on it all the time. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just applied. It was just, a, you know, a chance thing. Um, so glad that I saw it. So glad that I, I applied because, yeah, I felt like that was the closest that I could get. I mean, now obviously I'm, I'm still training and I'm really trying. And when ESA opens applications, which hopefully will be before I'm too old, uh, <laughs> then I will be applying. So, do, 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 is there a timeline on ESA opening up can, candidates? Um, not really. It just depends. So at the minute, I think. Last time I checked, there was like 16 European astronauts. Um, Tim was recruited in 2009, uh, didn't get to go to the space station until 2015. So it's a lot of training. Mm -hmm. um, and I really hope, so they took on a, an Italian guy in 2015, I think, was the last European astronaut. So I'm really hoping 2020 there'll be another yeah and there's old Nespoli going up and he's like yeah he's 60, 60. yeah oh. I saw uh, I watched that mission live it was so good the <laughs> launch I was just tuning in at work sneakily I'm assuming <laughs> he's the, the is he the oldest ESA he must be the oldest ESA astronaut um he? I'm not actually sure I think it's Peggy in her 50s yeah but she's American isn't she she's Peggy oh yeah Whitman. she's American oh yeah she yeah she's child she's much older yeah but uh maybe maybe he is yeah 60 as the oldest European but I think you need to be you need to be recruited before you're 37. Right. Um, Damn. So I know. <laughs> but yeah, once I'm in, I'm in. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you've got plenty of time. <laughs> but I was like, oh, I hope it's not next year because I want to be a really good swimmer. <laughs> what, what you need to do between now and, and uh, selection is yeah, 
do a load of swimming, swimming while and, doing and the numbers, while doing numbers, <laughs> and maybe flying a helicopter. Yeah, Think, all those things. Yeah, just, to, just fill the helicopter with water. Do it all underwater <laughs> in the sky. <laughs> yeah, learn. To, how's your eyesight? Eyesight's good. Yeah, I only uh, need my glasses for computer work. Um, yeah, twenty twenty vision. The, the so one that's good. That, yeah, the one that the one that. Um, the one bit of Mike Massimino's book. Have you have you read that? Yeah, that's a brilliant one. Yeah, I, I, it's think, so it's, good. I think it's my favourite one that I've read so far of the astronaut yeah. books. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, his overcoming his eye problems was just <laughs> insane. What he had to go through was yeah. like concentrating on practicing, focusing. Mm. Wow. Yeah, but that's the thing. I think like um, a trait of an astronaut is you you really do just push yourself and you just make you just make it work. Mm. Like. Um, it's really funny because uh, I'm just reading the uh, the Martian, and uh, <laughs> he's like obviously you know he's stuck yeah. on Mars and he's trying he's an engineer he's trying to fix things and I had a problem with the TV the other day and I was like oh no Merit's coming round we're going to watch the episode I can't get this to work and I was like right okay how do I build you're going a to satellite? science the shit and I just out went, of it. <laughs> I just went like in complete like as if I was in the book mode and I was like right how can I do this come on Jackie you, you can be an astronaut and uh, I kind of do that with books I kind of get a bit too immersed yeah, in, no, in the I, story I, that weird, I read weirdly yeah the, the Martian I, it was the very first audible book I got oh. way before the film yeah. when, when it first came out and, yeah. and it, it's, it's a brilliant audible book yeah, it's really it. good and yeah I've got to the oh, end oh no no I'm oh, not God, yet because that's a whole chunk of it that's not even in the film yeah that's no I'm weird. such a slow reader as well that's something I need to improve on so I think between now and ESA applications um, I want to go back to uni and do another masters what I know <laughs> so at UCL they do um, a masters in space science and engineering which looks really cool uh, so if I how, can, how long does that take? Just one year. Oh, just one. Yeah. So but that's full time, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm looking at doing a master's at the moment. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, you were getting at me then. <laughs> you were going to do one yourself. Yeah, but I haven't done a PhD. <laughs> yeah, but I, I did it in the wrong field. <laughs> <laughs> wrong? No, no, you've done it in the right. I field. need to like cross over into like engineering and aerospace. So yeah. if anyone listening knows a way for me to do that. <laughs> Well, that'd be great. <laughs> Which would be free and not ten grand. Of course, yeah, yeah, you've burnt up your oh, uh, yeah, it's so finance. expensive. Yeah. Uh, so that's maybe I'll do that. Um, but yeah, I want to learn to fly, get my memory a little bit better, um, diving and swimming. That's something I definitely need to improve on. Um, lane rushing as well. Yeah, that, that's a useful. Started. Well, they're saying that <laughs> with, with old SpaceX and Boeing, they're not too far away from launching that's up true. now. So you might yeah. not have to learn the Russian. Yeah. Chinese might be better, in fact. That's true. Yeah, a lot of people have told me that. <laughs> <laughs> learn yeah. both, be on the same or, side. Or maybe even North, <laughs> North Korean. They might like well, re, who, re, yeah, who knows? <laughs> repurpose their missiles Again, for, yeah. for peaceful purposes. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> one can hope. Oh, but that was that was my last question. What's next? Yeah, and just keep training. I think, um, I think taking part in the process has only made me want it even more. Yeah. And I've had like a little taste of it now, and I oh, it would just be an absolute dream if I was to be an astronaut for real. Yeah, I mean, just it's well, you've got nothing to lose, have you? By just keep no, going for if it. I I keep, mean, that's, yeah, that's... as long as I don't. I think like even in uh, Chris's book, he always says like it was his dream, but he always kind of. Mm. improved but knew okay well you know i'll become like a a, a test pilot as as a trainer yeah. as training to be an astronaut but actually that's still a good career 
I think as long as I do that and don't just invest every penny in yeah. in learning to fly all kinds of vehicles yeah. that I'm never going <laughs> to you know use on a daily yeah, basis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, Chris Hadfield's <laughs> book is a, is a is a is a total lesson in driven. Like it's I've got just, this goal. Yeah, bang. it's like a whole goal of how to <laughs> to be a like a great but, person and live a great like life of achievement yeah. really and I mean focus. the one the one story in it that I really want to follow up on there's an astronaut who gets as all the way as far as being chosen to go up to the space station on the shuttle yeah. but gets a cold or something like that and then misses his flight oh, opportunity and never be, gets another one yeah you would be you absolutely devastated because again <laughs> that, that can happen and you're put in quarantine a few yep. weeks before and just imagine, like us with this cough, I don't yeah. know if we get to go. Well, that's it, really, that's I, it. I genuinely, I went to my doctor, because now I'm very conscious as well about my uh, medical records, because mm. I know that gets looked at. So I get a bit ill and I think, oh, I'll, I'll survive, it'll be fine, I don't need to put yeah. this on my records. And I finally gave in with this cough, because it's been months, it's been absolutely months. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad someone else has had. <laughs> it's been absolutely months, oh, and I went all the way back to Liverpool, I saw my doctor, and uh, he was like, no, it's just a virus, and I was like... I can't be. I was like, don't put this on my record. Going, going for I was like, it yeah. can't be. It needs to go. I want to be an astronaut. And he was just looking at me like, you're crazy. He'll <laughs> 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 be fine. You'll live. Oh, do, you, do you actually play the astronaut card on him? That's, 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 pretty, that's pretty impressive. I, did, I was like, I want to be an astronaut. You don't understand. He was like, okay. Maybe just concentrate on getting it's better. Good job there wasn't another doctor there. You might have got sectioned. I know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's happened. That, yeah, I've been close to that a couple of times. <laughs> I, I, I just want to just share one little story before, but yeah, just just to make it that that I'd asked you if you'd wanted to come on the interplanetary podcast before <laughs> I knew you were yes. on, on the TV program, so which I thought was very, and, and then like about a week later, said, yeah, uh, that was did so you funny. fancy talking about this? Uh, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I know. I so yeah, we'd been chatting, hadn't we, on Twitter, and um uh, probably over like the SpaceX launches and mm. stuff because I was always tweeting about the same time. Like, well, it was, guys... it, it was the oh, was Nispo... it the Vita... it was the Nispoli the Vita launch, mission, yeah. 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 Um, so we were watching a Vita mission, tweeting away. I was liking your tweets probably a bit too keenly, <laughs> and uh, and then yeah, we were going to chat, weren't we, about something? And I was like, yeah, maybe I can talk about James Webb telescope or something. <laughs> and then the advert came out, and I was like. Maybe I should mention. <laughs> Maybe I should mention on this show. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, that, that was quite funny. <laughs> well, no, I'd, I'd noticed that your um, your um, little picture, picture has changed. changed. Oh, got these... I just want to keep that forever and pretend yeah, yeah. I'm a real yeah. astronaut candidate. <laughs> What's this? So I can just tweet. So what happens now? I just tweet all the astronauts, and they see my picture, and they think, "Oh, she oh. must be a candidate," which yeah. is great. Oh, what? <laughs> I just want that forever. <laughs> yeah, that is that is quite cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very, thank you very much for for coming down. Yeah, not a problem. And, it's been uh, and, real and putting fun. up with my late train as well. <laughs> no, it's been it's been really fun. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, it's me. Re- really really interesting. Really really interesting. Oh, and really good, I'm really glad. really great to meet someone who's who's so humble and and obviously extremely talented, even despite what I said, extremely hardworking. <laughs> oh, thank <laughs> and, you. And uh, yeah, and obviously genuinely a lovely person. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks. <laughs> yes, so he's described by Forbes magazine as perhaps the most social media savvy astronaut ever to leave Earth. Where's that magazine based? Um, I don't know. Us neither. So he was raised on a corn farm, am I right? According to his book, Humble Beginnings, when he saw the Apollo 11 moon landings on the television, that's when he thought, I have, I have to be an astronaut. And literally, if you read his book, he's totally driven, isn't he, from that point on? Oh, my God. Like, 
insanely driven. This is what I must do to become an astronaut. And also, he talks about the difficulty of just being a Canadian trying to get into NASA. <laughs> it, 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 it's not easy, is well, it? Well, yeah, and as a Canadian, he does quite a few firsts, doesn't he, as we, as we shall discover yes. in this journey that he takes. So uh, he married his high school sweetheart, and, uh, and they have three children, Kyle, Evan and Kristen. And it's actually, I believe, Evan that hopes, helps him with his um, web savviness. So uh, oh, yes, really? he's the tech guy. He's the tech guy. He's so he, work, so he obviously knows what he's doing. Thirty-seven million views. Space Oddity has had. It's almost as many listens as we get. So that's you know he's up there with the Internet Planetary Podcast in terms well, of you popularity. Know, Matt, if anyone sings Bowie, I'm I'm a fan of theirs. But singing it in space, <laughs> I mean that's my two favourite things ever. Yeah. To be fair, it is a really good rendition. I really like the video as well. You know. I like the fact that he takes it so seriously. If only he was also wearing Michelle Pfeiffer's cat oh. then it would be the triple whammy, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be pretty good. Part of his plan to become an astronaut was to join the Royal Air Cadets. So he was licensed to fly a glider at 15, then a powered aircraft by the time he was 16. And by the time he was 24, he was the top graduate of basic jet training. My God, at 24, he was already the top. Yeah, and in the meantime, he'd done his Bachelor of Engineering in Mechanical Engineering. Standard. So that's by the so done that by the time he was 22. Yeah. He has flown so many different types of plane, Canadian jets, and I think he's, he's flown over 70 different types of aircraft. 70? <laughs> so, he's, you know, it's just nuts. So he, uh, he was the first CF-18 pilot to intercept a Soviet Topolov Tu-94 long-range bomber in the Canadian Arctic. So, so, oh, my uh, God. And then between 1989 and 92, he was a test pilot for McDonnell Douglas. So things like the F-8, F-18 Hornet, the Corsair, and he, and he was the F-A-18. He did quite a lot of these crazy out-of-control recovery tests and things like that. So he, he mm. is the pilot's pilot, essentially. He's definitely the pilot's pilot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just worried he hasn't got enough experience, Matt. Yeah, so, <laughs> so in 92, he then thought, well, I need to do something more. So then he, uh, he got an, another master's degree in aviation systems from the University of Tennessee Space Institute. And his thesis was concerned with high-angle attack aerodynamics of the F-A-18 Hornet fighter jet. So let's face Incredible. it, on, on the old Hornet, he's definitely a bit of, a bit of the man. During his illustrious flying planes around, uh, entered uh, uh, into the uh, selection process for a Canadian astronauts. So there was five thousand three hundred thirty applicants. Yeah, and he got down to the last five, four of which, Amazing. four of which have flown into space. So wow. yeah, so that that's pretty, pretty. Oh, you'd be gutted if you were that one person. Ah. Wouldn't you? Well, I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know what happened in their life. We should look that up. Yeah. If anyone knows, yeah, they can, should they should email in. Please tweet us in. Yeah. Uh, and then while working at NASA, once he was in, he addressed technical and safety issues for shuttle. He helped develop the glass shuttle cockpit. Uh, he was uh, Capcom, so he was the voice of mission control for twenty five space shuttle missions. Are Capcom also the people who design games like Street Fighter Two? 
I'm sure that's right. <laughs> I really do think you are right that that is also the maybe they've maybe it's a different company. Yeah, I, it, <laughs> one one definitely is uh, cap. Is it captain of communications, perhaps? Oh yeah, or capsule right. communications. I d- yeah. maybe that's it. Uh, but yes, maybe Capcom. The um, the games are named after Capcom because it is a pretty cool name. I'm, I'm going to find out. Uh, uh, and then he went on to go to Yuri Gagarin's cosmonaut training center and became director. Now this, I mean, director of this operations. This blows me away when anyone talks about it because you're literally learning rocket science in another language and not just another language. It's got to be pretty damn difficult, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? Damn. So let's get to his hats off. Let's get to his space career. So he, he spent 100, 166 it. days in space. Uh, on three on yeah. three separate missions. So the first one was STS seventy four. Now I didn't realise this. I didn't realise that that went to the Mir space station. So he's the only Canadian mm. ever to board the Mir, and uh, oh, really? and he took the the Canadian Canadarm to the uh, uh, yes. to, to the Mir. So that's what he was there to do. So obviously, lots of Canadian things going on there. Uh, oh, by the way. Even though he is Canadian, he's uh, in in the book. He does talk about how his family is from the north of England and Scotland. So he's really no way. So we can kind of claim. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, he he does look like a northerner, doesn't he? He looks. Who was that tennis player with the American accent that we called British? <laughs> Greg Rosetsky. Was yeah, wasn't him. he Canadian yeah. as well? In fact, aren't all our, our tennis players used to be Canadian? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, definitely British until they lose in the semi-final. Yeah, and then they're Scottish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, yeah. So STS seventy four. So yeah, that that was the second space shuttle mission to go to uh, the Mir space station. Incredible. That is pretty cool, isn't it? Now the um, very cool. Uh, then STS one hundred. That is uh, he flew Canadarm two up to the space station. In my mind, I was wondering what the difference was between Canadarm 2 and 1. I think it's a lot to do with one's loads better than the other. That is technical. Yeah. It, if anybody knows, it's please email in. Well, imagine iPhone 5 and iPhone 6. Yeah. Ah, so you can have emojis on the Canadarm 2. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. It, it's, it's operated by emojis. Awesome. If you smile, goes to the left. Frown, goes to the right. <laughs> so <laughs> on that so on that one he did two spacewalks so that's that's his two spacewalks he's only done two spacewalks uh and the, there's one of the spacewalks he talks about a lot uh i've seen a ted talk about it and i've and it's in his book where he's you know pretty excited about doing his spacewalk so he spends all all evening cleaning up his visor making sure it's super clear to see through and then halfway through his spacewalk his eyes really start to hurt and then they start to really hurt, and then they start to sting so much oh. he he starts to go blind. So he actually kind of God. went blind while in space. Did he have to go back in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to, obviously he did eventually, but did he have to go back in because of yeah, that? Yeah, no, he, he had to sort of basically feel his way across the spacecraft and, and get back in. It was a very, very dangerous oh. situation. Did they ever fa- found out what happened? Yeah, so it was the because he was cleaning the visor, it was it, mm. it was the anti fog solution that he'd used ah. to polish the visor. Would basically so that had gone in his had eye. gone in his eye, and and uh, he shouldn't have been using it. So it was his meticulous preparation that did him in the end. 
see, this is a very good lesson for any lazy people out there. Just, just stick as yeah, you're doing. Yeah, just be lazy. Just do what you're. you'll t- be Just fine. do what you're told. Particularly when you're doing a spacewalk, just do what you're told. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, some spacewalks they're going to be telling you last minute because it's going to be repairs and stuff. Mm-hmm. But if they know something's going to happen, how quickly do they tell you in advance? Uh, I don't know. I know that there's there's some that they've gone out and they've had to do very very quickly. As in, you've just got to go and do it. As in, you don't yeah. have much choice. Uh, you know, because some things can be, I suppose, space station. Uh, critical so most things have got um you know dual redundancy say but if one goes down because that's got to be the dream isn't it that you get up there and someone says to you right we need you to go on your spacewalk yeah i wonder what the shortest notice spacewalk is that's another one yet more things to write in and tell us about tell you what matt this podcast is engaging it's engaged me (laughs) (laughs) so uh so that's he spent 14 hours well almost 15 hours in space and that's so, hmm. so he travelled ten times around the world during his spacewalks. Nice. So that's pretty good, isn't it? So uh, the cool. next time he went to space, that was in 2001, by the way, that one. And the next time he went to space was in 2012, which is one I remember very, very well. That's when he sang his space oddity and all Absolutely. that. Absolutely. But it was most famous, wasn't it? Because he was the first astronaut that really... Um, got into taking loads of pictures and, and, and engaging the public with, with yeah. his photography and people just went mad for it, didn't they? It was Absolutely went so mad for it. I, I think Hadfield's definitely one of the most famous astronauts. He really made his kind of presence known, didn't he, and sort of he's made it cool. He's very clever too. He's, he's, he's really just super lovely, as most astronauts mm. are, but he's really lovely and funny and very talented, clearly. Yeah. He's he's um, also quite serious as well. He's got that kind of serious edge to him that you know that no matter what, if you if you were to be in a disaster, you would <laughs> you would want Chris Hadfield, wouldn't you? You definitely it, want him on it'd board. Be like, he's like he's like a he's like an uncle. He's like my uncle Paul, who can do anything. He's just one of these people. Any DIY you need doing, call my uncle Paul. He'll sort you out. That's weird. I've got an uncle Paul as well. Have yeah. you? Is he good at DIY? I don't know. I, I've got a feeling he'd, he'd be probably dreadful at DIY. I don't know. He's, he's very much an oh, intellectual. I hope he's not listening. <laughs> oh, he, he will be. <laughs> <laughs> so, music, that's annoying, isn't it? He's basically a really successful musician as well. <laughs> Is there anything he can't do? His, um, his performance, by the way, uh, there's a really interesting piece in The uh, Economist by Glenn Fleischman. And it's about the legal implications of publicly performing a copyrighted work in Earth orbit. <laughs> Someone's got to do that. <laughs> exactly. I might have to do that with my students. I think that's, that's yeah. Yeah, that combines my hobby with my work. That's very good. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And, and as we were saying, we've read his 200, two, 213, his 2013 autobiography, An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth. It's a very good book, isn't it? Do we know if it's the biggest selling space autobiography? Oh, that's a good... Because I bet it's up there. It's got to be up there, hasn't it? It's got to be the one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Okay, well, let's... Um... That's the. F- oh, that's another, that's another one question, we're isn't it? Let, let's, let's do the top five astronaut autobiographies. Which, which, yeah. which one's come up? Because he's also done a space photo book as well, hasn't he? Yes. So, yeah, he, he put all his... Has Chris Hadfield done a kid's book? Oh, I don't know. I don't think he has. I don't think he likes children. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, I made that last bit up. That's slander. 
Space slander. The podcast's nothing without controversy. That's true, actually, yeah. Astronaut, have you got what it takes? I love the sound of this. I still haven't you seen haven't the seen episode, it yet. but I need, you... haven't seen it yet, but I, I've got, absolutely got a schedule to do that this weekend. Gonna, gonna do it. Yeah, so it, I was a bit unfair, actually, when I said it was like The Apprentice set in space and, and Chris Hadfield was like Alan Sugar. It's, it's, mm. it's a little less silly than The Apprentice. Yeah. Uh, and it's got, uh, do you know Dr. Fong? He's the yeah. he's the guy that you often see on telly, and he Doctor Kevin Fong. Doctor Kevin Fong. So he uh, he is on it um, uh, because he's actually tried to be an ESA astronaut, but he also works for ESA in their sort of uh, designing medical tests, I think. Yeah. Uh, and but he's actually tried to be an astronaut, and so he's uh, he's been through some of these processes that they put them through, and he's basically his his take on it is that the we he says we went to huge lengths to represent a selection program based on the ESA application criteria. We didn't make it easy for participants. Well, I hope not. And you know what? It's really good. The very first test that they do is a, a helicopter flying test, and it looks so difficult but not only that it looks really dangerous like it's like losing control of a helicopter really close to the ground just looks absolutely just dangerous beyond belief i mean it's like well that harps back to our, our mate gene cernan doesn't yeah, it absolutely we did manage to get away with it <laughs> my favorite test in the whole program uh was um one where they have to step up and down on a step you know one of those steps that you get for yeah. you know steps step aerobics Oh, and yeah. they've got to step up and down one of those while they get read out in a German accent digits. So it it goes six, seven, eight, nine, zero, like that. And uh, you've then got to keep stepping and then say it backwards. So I'm I'm going to read you. Say it backwards. Yeah. So I'm gonna, so oh, so here, here you go, Jamie. I'm going to give you five numbers in a row, and you've got to read them back to me. Okay. Backwards. All right. Okay. Wait. Wait a minute. Are you going to do it in a German accent? Yes. Are you sure? Yeah. Have you been working on this accent? Yeah. I mean, it might be Austrian. It might be Austrian. Okay. 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 Go on then. Five, four, six, two, zero, one. One zero two six four five. Oh, you're out, Jamie. You you failed. You're so what? close. It, you got the four and the five the wrong way round. Ah. Oh. Oh, that was... I have to say, I thought, oh, no, he's going to do it. But you didn't. You failed. You got it wrong. Are you sure? Yeah, definitely, because I'm... Re- <laughs> I'm actually... Because... I'm actually... Let me tell you why I think I'm right and you're wrong. Go on, then. Because I cheated. Yeah, go on, then. I'm sitting in front of my laptop and I wrote the numbers down. Did you? And I'm pretty sure that I got them right. <laughs> well, it's easy. We just have to rewind the tape. You're such a... You're such a cheat. <laughs> Well, no, it's okay because I came out and said that I cheated. Okay, so that's fair enough. God's forgiven me. Well, you, yeah, but the worst thing is you still got it wrong. I didn't. Know. Oh my god! Well, we'll go back. It's fine. Well, <laughs> so, can someone help me out, please? Well, readers, write in. God, if I did, no, there get we it go. Wrong, we can. That's awful. We can see if people were listening or not, or whether they've got you know command of the rewind button on their yeah, podcast very player. True. So anyway, so Rewind. so guess what? So it made me think about this. What do you think is the record for uh, remembering digits what? and backwards? N- not backwards. I, I I I couldn't find this one. But what, for example, who's who's remembered the most amount of digits of pi? Is it the guy that the Rain Man was based on? <laughs> it's not. He remembers ninety eight. 
0.5 or something percent of everything he reads. Oh, wow. Yeah, but I doubt this, this. There's a man called Chao Lu from China. Yeah. And in 2005, he managed to say 67,890 digits of part. <laughs> now, here's another one. Uh, the world record at the moment in one of these memory competitions, spoken numbers at a rate of one every second and recalling them. So not backwards, but recalling them in order. Guess what? Mm. Guess, guess how many? Guess how many? Oh, I don't know. 456. 456. <laughs> yeah, so it's like someone reading out 456 numbers. And bear in mind, that that's almost like... And straight away you repeat And them. then he has to then repeat them back. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's Lance Chirtsart of the, of the United States. and the Br- Well, Lance, I think you're a robot. How about that? And the British record that was the record in 2003 is 140 by Andy Bell. I wonder if he's a relation to Jackie Bell. Isn't Andy Bell the old bass player of Oasis? I actually think you're right. <laughs> That's how good my memory is. Oh, yes. I can just about remember my mobile phone number. So one thing that is one thing that happens on this programme is that they just send people home and go, you're home, you're going home. Like, you would have gone home because you got it wrong and you'd have gone home for cheating as well. That, that wouldn't be on. <laughs> no, I told you because I said I cheated. She's only allowed to tell me about the first two episodes, I think. Well, I'm going to have to check that out. The Interplanetary Podcast, putting the ace back into into space. Oh, yeah, baby space. Nice. Nice. Uh, Listeners, please send in your uh, questions and answers to all our questions. Oh, yeah, there's there's at least five or six answers that we want um, by the next podcast, please. Do not be late. Send them in by the next podcast. We've got plenty of time these days. (laughs) 